listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are passionate about all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today we are blessed to have in studio with us Derek Ramsey, the Senior Vice President of Government Affairs of the Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors, or KCRAR, and Jeff Carson, the Director of Realtor Advocacy for KCRAR. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Two of my favorite people. Well, thanks for having Happy us. to be here, yeah. All right, so the first thing i got to ask you is, uh, these are fancy titles, both of you. It's pretty impressive stuff here. Vice, Senior Vice President of Government Affairs, Realtor Advocacy. Uh, I suspect anybody listening to this that isn't in tune with the real estate industry is going to be going, what in the world does that mean? So why don't you break that down for us? What in the world do you guys do? Uh, well, so, um, yes, the the titles are uh, pretty grandiose. Um, doesn't really reflect what we do on a daily basis. Derek um, says continued on back. <laughs> <laughs> I was always wondering why that went to the back of your card. <laughs> my, my card is bigger than Jeff's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's our job to make sure that our elected officials understand the importance of the real estate industry and the importance of uh, you know the the economic impact, the um, uh, you know, the impact that their decisions can have on real estate. You know, we we talk about home ownership being the American dream. Um, but, but, you know, that there's a reality to that, that that elected officials can certainly have an impact on. And so it's our job to make sure that they understand the industry, they understand the importance to the economy, to your family, to your future, uh, and, and that when they make laws and, and regulations relating to housing, uh, they keep that in mind and, and uh, uh, you know, make the decisions accordingly. And I think they it, they understand that there's there's – what we try to make them understand is there's more than just the one transaction. That one transaction is just one of many that that spring off. They're like branches on trees, and you know, as we know as realtors, you know, you sell the one house. Well, that person had to move into another house, which caused another, stimulated another sale. And some people move up the chain, and some people move down. At the, at the very top of the chain, somebody's scaling back down or moving out, and they're going off to a different. Uh, area of the country, and then it's starting a whole new chain. So sometimes I think seeing the economic impact of just one transaction and, and how it moves the market along. And they don't really get that, right? And I never understood how little elected officials know about our business. And they don't necessarily take that into account when they're making decisions, which is unfortunate. So we try our best to have them listen to us. Uh, I don't think they hear us sometimes. It's just like words falling on deaf ears. But, you know, um, we do have an impact to protect us from some things. Some bad things haven't gone into play, at least because we step up to the plate. Well, and it's an ongoing education effort. You know, you can't uh, walk into an elected official's office 30 minutes before the hearing introduce yourself and say, here's why you should support our position. You know, you've got to build that relationship when they're running for office. You've got to uh, select good candidates, support good candidates, meet with them for coffee, talk about the real estate market in their districts, uh, you know, make sure that they understand that we're here as a resource. We're not just going to show up when you do something we don't like and, you know, hammer you uh, from the dais. So. Well, sure. I mean, that's not a whole lot different than the nature of this podcast, which is get the information out there over a period of time, let people consume it um, at their own pace. Uh, from 
from a consumer perspective, I'm hearing, hey, we we spent some time with government officials trying to get them to make good decisions to support housing, home ownership, you know, the American dream, like we like to phrase that. For our listeners, um, what what level of government are we talking about? Well, for for Jeff and I, it's it's kind of all three. Um, you know, you well, guys. What do you mean by all three? Well, okay, break so, that down. so the. Uh, uh, you know, the, the organization, uh, the National Association of Realtors, uh, Kansas and Missouri have, have chapters, and then we are the, the local chapter. Um, NAR is actually the largest trade association in the country. We have a lot of staff in D.C. Their headquarters is in Chicago, so they kind of handle most of the, the, the federal stuff, the big stuff you hear out of D.C. Uh, our state associations are very busy during the legislative session. Um, we have lobbyists in both Topeka and Jefferson City to, to watch for bills and, and make sure that uh, our interests are protected. Uh, and then Jeff and I, you know, we handle the 38 counties and, and their city-county governments within um, on, on, you know, sign ordinances and zoning codes and building codes and things like that. The, uh, you know, the, the, I don't know, fortunate or unfortunate, uh, Jeff and I seem to be the catch-all for, um, for a lot of these issues. So while we deal specifically with municipal issues, we'll get phone calls about what's going on in Jeff City, what's going on in D.C., why did your congressman vote this way? You know, and, and, and so we, ch- we have to try to keep up on all of that because we certainly want to be a resource for our members when they call. Right. And, you know, for us, we want to be in front of – we want to be in front of the decision makers before they walk into those meetings. I mean, they're going to be faced with a lot of nimbyism. Uh, they're going to have some people right. Nimby means not yeah, in yeah. my backyard, right. friends. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you have to explain nimby. Yeah. Sorry. Technical term. And, you know, so we want to have that conversation before. So when they're dealing with the folks that are against this project or so on, they can at least have some dialogue and they, they know where we're at and they know why we sh- why it should be supported or, or maybe why it, you know they should be voting against it. So at least when they're starting to hear some of these things, they can respond accordingly based on the information that we provided them. So I really don't want to have – I don't want to address them – while they're on the dais, I want to have that conversation before they ever walked in the room. Yeah, you want them to be educated on the issue that they're going to be voting on, and that doesn't always happen. Um, And so I like to say we look at it through the real estate lens, because there's going to be a pro and a con for all sides of an issue, and there's going to be people that see it very differently. Well, we try and see it through the lens of real estate, you know, not through one party, not through the other party, but through the lens of real estate, looking at how does this impact our industry, we also like to look at what are the costs to the industry and then try and explain it from a cost perspective because that sometimes can be heard better than don't do that because it's bad for real estate, right? And so how does this affect the consumer? Well, one way that this has recently affected the consumer in Kansas City in terms of remodeling or in terms of cost is there is a new international building code that's going to go into effect, I believe, July 1st unless something changes. This is going to add approximately $30,000 to a new construction home. And not only that, it will probably keep people from wanting to remodel their homes because of the impact of the cost of the new codes that are going to go into effect. So I'd imagine there's going to be a stifle to the economy because of this code specifically. Let's come back to that in just a second, because we do need to break that down for our listeners that just got scared and, <laughs> and puckered up a little bit. Um, but uh, And so this is why I was going to ask you guys, and hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot, but let's talk about some very specific issues that people either know or will understand 
because it's pretty abstract when you say, hey, I go out and I go to a legislator's office and I try to have coffee with them and explain to them something they're going to be voting on, uh, which is really crazy, by the way, because you actually do that and and realtors do that as well. I've done that. So I've been to Jeff City since I live in Missouri and sat in a um, a representative's office and had a conversation. It's, it's just it's almost surreal the first time you do it because that kind of government for a lot of people on the street just seems, you know, something that you don't touch. But what are some issues, some very specific things that uh, maybe here in the Kansas City area or nationally that people are going to be aware of that that um, in your uh, advocacy role that you've had conversations with that that people will understand. I think recently here in in on the Kansas side in Overland Park. Um, the city of Overland Park wants to have all new construction roads to be constructed out of concrete versus asphalt. And so that's going to have a significant impact on the cost per lot that's going out to each each end user. And the development the developer is going to pay the upfront cost, but he's obviously not going to eat that cost. It's going to be passed on to our customers. And in, so in, in talking with the HBA, and we have partners, so we work very closely with the Home Builders Association here in Kansas City, their research has shown it's going to have an impact on certain subdivisions of about $30,000 per lot. I know we keep using $30,000, so I don't want people to think that's just the number we always throw out. But in this, <laughs> in this specific case, that's what it's going to be. Well, that's going to inflate. Two, two weeks. Yeah, that's going <laughs> yeah. to inflate the cost of a house, You know, a new home construction in Overland Park, which right now the average cost is about $850,000 for a new home. This For the first part of 2023, the first quarter, the average sales price of a new home in in Overland Park is $850,000. So we're fast approaching, you know, getting close to $900,000 for the cost of a new home, not including the change in the in the codes and things like that that in on the Kansas side, the the level at which was passed is probably going to have an impact of somewhere between 10 to $15,000. So, you know, we're looking at turnaround and taking the cost of an average new home in Overland Park from 850 to 900 just on these government decisions that are being made so for that decision for that first of all has that been made are they is that a mandate now in overland park it is moving forward so okay. it was passed out of public works there's still got to work its way through the system to be honest with you we, we both had just got an email from from will Reuter, the uh, executive director of the hba so there's some updates we've that, actually had will on the podcast yeah and he's yeah. great yes he's he great. is and he uh had a, a he made a very passionate speech about it and had lots of great data to back up what he was talking about, but it fell on deaf ears when it came to the public That's courses. exactly what I'm talking about. We, we keep advocating, and I think one of the reasons that I've heard, because I've asked legislators, local, state, and national, why does this keep happening? And it's because real estate is a very tangible asset that has become on their radar. And so now it's really hard to get off the radar once you're on it. Right. Well, right. So well, let's, let's be very specific with our listeners. This is something that we're not really for. Right. I mean, what's our position and how how like so, so you know, uh, maybe a, a title or a name people we've talked to and what we've tried to coach them on so that they understand the impact of this particular decision? Well, we're obviously we're not supporting anything that makes the cost of obtaining a new house less attainable. I mean, right now, the, the talk about affordable housing is something that we have every day. Right. And uh, the problem is affordable housing depends on who you're talking to, who, who the end user is going to be. And we're really more focused on attainable housing right now because affordable housing seems to be flying out the window. Yeah. But in terms of the, the street issue, there there's just a faction on in certain committees that feel that people will gladly pay 
$30,000 more to live on a street that is made out of concrete versus asphalt. Do they really even know the difference? They don't. And you know what most of them say is that that sounds nice and I don't mind that. I just don't want to have to pay for it. Right. Right. The really disappointing thing in that uh, in that hearing, in that whole process, you know, Jeff just threw out the $850,000 number. I think most of the listeners would be floored by that number. We thought that was going to have a lot of impact. Uh, Will Reuter again talked about um, the cost of new construction, everything else that goes into the codes and, and what they're being forced to follow. And, you know, that $850,000 number came out and the entire committee was like, yeah, okay. They were okay <laughs> with new home construction being $850,000 in the city of Overland Park. That just breaks my heart, quite frankly, exactly. because we want to create new homeowners. And when we continue to have these inflated prices because of, un, in my opinion, unnecessary regulation at the current time, we just take that dream and we squash it. And that's sad because that's not what we want for you know individuals. We still want the American dream to be attainable. And right now at the moment, it's just a little further away and a little further away. And I can tell you that uh, you know Jeff, Derek, and myself, um, I'm the chair of Missouri Realtors Advocacy, and I've done a lot locally. We beat down the doors of these people. We call them. We email them. We schedule coffees. And you know we really try. But like they said, it falls on deaf ears sometimes. So that means we need you, people. We need the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Well, the it's realtor very, army. It's very true because the, the path to generational wealth starts with that very first buyer, that, that right. first time home buyer. And that's how they, in many cases, that's how they're able to send their children to school later on is because they've created some wealth building in their house that they're able to tap into, send their children to college, which then in turn creates better homeowners, better citizens, uh, you know, better education. They're going to go further. But it, it really does. It, it really does start with, with owning a home and that first time home buyer. And I don't think people really understand the the benefits. I mean, everybody wants to own a house because that's what you're supposed to do. That's <laughs> that's what we've been told from day one is that you want to you want your sure. slice of the American dream. But there's so many things that are that are further attributed to owning that home. Yeah. Well, you know, we've had uh, a couple of discussions over a period of time on the podcast, uh, and that, that's uh, sort of what. Th- this podcast is not necessarily a call to action for our listeners. Although, if you're interested, we'd love to help you uh, be part of this, um, the, the action that's needed to um, make sure that housing becomes affordable and becomes attainable by uh, anybody who you know can can will put in the basic effort to make that happen. Because we know how valuable it is. We know how important it is. On a broad scale, right? So this is big picture thinking. This is holistic thinking. We're looking at the forest and not the tree. And when you're in the trenches getting beat up because you can't get a home because somebody keeps coming in with a crazy offer, you're looking at the trees. So at times, we need to make sure that our listeners know that we, right, certainly Jen and I, but more importantly, realtors and realtor organizations as a whole, we're looking at this big picture for you, and it's important, and and we do it. But then, it also can impact you immediately. So uh, I can think there's a couple of issues around town that are uh, definitely getting a lot of news. Um, so, and I didn't prep you guys for this. So if this is a terrible question, you can tell me later. And I'll cut it out of the podcast. Um, but but so for example, on the southeast side of the city, there's the the proposed landfill. Oh, we've uh, dealt with that so much. Yeah. Right. And so saw it uh, coming. So, so tell everybody where where what kind of conversations you guys or at least people that you know are having and where we stand on this issue. So there was a a house bill filed by Mike Hafner who's a representative from from Cass County. Um 
unfortunately, with the the way the session ended in Jeff City, um, it did not get approved. It passed the House, had a lot of support in the Senate, but just got bogged down in the, the, the last couple of weeks and did not get approved. Every jurisdiction, city and county surrounding this location have passed resolutions opposing it uh, to in varying different different language, but, but you know, non-support. City of Kansas City asked the city manager to take a look at whether or not a landfill is needed at this point, what our capacity is. Um, the, the, the senators from Cass County tried really hard, again, at the state level this year to get that passed. Um, and, and so right now, it's, it, it's moving forward. I know that there are, are private groups that are talking about lawsuits. Um, you know, for us, it's, you know, nobody wants to live next to a landfill, obviously. Um, but what we were talking about before, we, we get involved at sort of the 30,000-foot level. We talk about policies. Is, is a concrete street the right policy because of the cost, not should this subdivision have concrete streets? And this is kind of one of those issues, you know, it, it, it's difficult for us to oppose or support a specific project, a specific proposal. And so we have not officially at the local level taken a position on the landfill. The, um, the city council, as I said, is very actively involved with it. Uh, we'll see what that report comes back with. You know, you don't, you don't just stick a shovel in the ground and, and open a landfill the next day. So it's, it's a process that's working its way through. A lot of our members that live out in that area have gotten really involved, um, as well as the, uh, the elected officials. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep monitoring that and, and, and see where we end up with it. Well, it's funny how people get involved when it affects them. They, they, they don't when it doesn't well, affect them. That's the NIMBY them. issue, right? It, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, anytime I t- show a house and it backs up to vacant land, you know, there's 40 acres behind. Oh, we love the view. Okay, well, don't get used to it. You know, 40 acres of vacant land behind you could be anything down the road. And, yes, it's got to go through all sorts of different channels to get that way, but don't get used to it. Don't Unless fall in love with Unless you want to buy it all. Exactly. And then who are we, you know, as far as an association to take positions pro and con? I mean, there are people that own those parcels of land that are going to make up that landfill. So who are we to say what is the highest and best use for their land? I mean, they own it. They're going to be able to, to market it for the highest and best use and the, the most amount of money. And then they've got people fighting them to sell their, to keep the land the way that it is, and to keep it where it's invaluable. So, you know, we we fight those battles too. And homeowners don't have an advocacy group. I mean, yes, they have HOAs. You know, get little small pods here and there. But as a whole, the people that represent homeowners on a local, state, national level are realtors. I mean, we're the ones that are advocating for for private property rights and and trying to look out for for the best interest of everyone. All right, excellent. Um... Let's talk about some very specific things um, that uh, can help on an individual deal. Because, Jeff, you and I, of course, have had an interaction uh, uh, that uh, was a deal. And we'll talk about that specifically. But you guys both are uh, a resource for realtors uh, when they need to interface with uh, local governments, state governments, um, and theoretically federal governments, but thank goodness I'm not interfacing with them very much. Um, besides our example, uh, which I'll, I'll share right now, but then if you guys have you know another one afterwards. So uh, I was representing a sale in Strawberry Hill, which is a historic district um, in uh, Kansas City, Kansas. And so it's got historic district um, designation. And there was a uh, potential sewer issue that mm-hmm. was going to require work that was done, uh, going to be done uh, across a uh, cobblestone 
uh, sidewalk and into the street because it was going to be connected to the main, which was underneath the street in front of the home. And I can tell you that I really struggled on trying to figure out, like, who do I talk to? How do I find out this process? Do I have to do permits? Is there, et cetera, et cetera. So my call was to Jeff, who uh, focuses a lot on the Kansas side, whereas Derek focuses a lot on the Missouri side, and said, do you have any contacts? I need to figure this out. All right, I need to figure this out for my client. And uh, the really cool thing was, uh, and I don't even know if you know this, so you gave me this contact. It was an uh, engineer for the uh-huh. Unified Government who, 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 who took my call uh, and was very, very helpful. He was the wrong guy. And he's like, I'm the wrong guy, but I'm going to get you to the right person because, you know, I've had this conversation with Jeff and I know that we need to get this figured out for you. So that was so much better. And we got the thing resolved and it was it was so much better for me and for my client in that particular case uh, because we had a door opened with somebody who said, OK, look, somebody's trying to seriously do this correctly. Let's this. It doesn't have to be a, an adversarial situation with somebody going, why are you making me do this? You know, which I'm sure they get those kind of calls a lot. So that was incredibly helpful in an individual deal. Do you come up with another example that, that you've done something like that? I'm sure you have like thousands, but you know, something maybe more recent. Well, it's always about relationships. I mean, realtors have relationships, and that's what makes our our business work. So it certainly works on the advocacy side as well as being able to get you a name, to get you someone, and then to be able to drop a name and say, hey, Jeff Carson told me to call you. I guess you had a conversation about this. But I know in in my – I've got an example from a few years back, but I had an issue with a a VA transaction. And uh, it was literally going to to blow the whole thing. I had a disabled veteran moving up from Houston, Texas, to purchase a home I had listed. And I had just had a meeting with Congressman Yoder at the time, just a couple of days before. I said, Jeff, we want to make sure that our veterans are taken care of. If you ever have an issue involving a veteran or veteran loan, please make sure you reach out to the office. Well, this is Friday night. It's it's or Friday afternoon, four o'clock. It's five o'clock in Washington. I call my contact at, at, at uh, Congressman Yoder's office. You know, send me send me an email with the details. I did that. That was immediately sent to the district office of VA in Wisconsin. So here it is. It's now 6, 615 in Washington. I'm still getting communication from the office. And first thing Monday morning, I get a phone call from the VA office in Wisconsin. They needed the file number. They started looking. And I mean, immediately started rolling. And I remember telling that story to somebody at a bank or somebody. I was having a luncheon and telling this story. And they're like, wow, I just need to make sure I never upset you because you literally on a Friday <laughs> afternoon are able to reach out. Somebody took your call in Washington and then all of a sudden Monday morning you hear from a government office in Wisconsin about a transaction going on in Kansas City. It's all about those relationships and 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 getting those established. So and and from a listener perspective, right? So one of the reasons why we have Derek and Jeff on is they're our conduit for that. As you know, I'm an active real estate agent. I mean, so so is everybody here, uh, except Derek. Except for Derek, but uh, uh, well, but he's the senior vice president. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have time for that. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, focusing on business and brokerage and whatnot, it, it is absolutely fantastic to have people who also have a role to focus in on advocacy to make these connections and whatnot. Because I I honestly don't have time to do that and keep my business running. So when I have a VA problem, and by the way, this is a great thing to ask your realtor, how connected are you with the advocacy team at KCRAR? Because if they don't know that 
you know, you guys are a resource we can call with these issues to get, you know, names, numbers, conversations, phone calls answered to solve their problem. They're maybe not being the best realtor they should be. So um, that's why this is incredibly important, because you'll run across a situation where this could happen to you. So... Well, and even though we don't necessarily get involved in a specific project, um, you know, we have a ton of resources at KCRR, certainly with our Heartland MLS, and we can provide housing statistics. We can we can give you historical data. Um, we do that a lot with not-for-profits. I get calls all the time. Can you, you know, run a housing report for the last five years in this zip code, things like that. Uh, and, and so even if we're not at the table talking about a specific development proposal in front of the, uh, you know, the, the planning and zoning committee or whatever. Uh, we have resources that can that can help out uh, as people try to navigate that process. Well, and it's important to those elected officials what's happening in their district. And so one of the tools, um, I'm a federal political coordinator, and I think uh, Jeff is too, um, we get access to a report within RPR, which is Realtor Property Resource, where we can pull specific data for a district to help them understand these are our issues, this is what's going on, and housing affordability has definitely been at the top of the list. And so what we're talking about um, federally that matters to our listeners is how can we unclog this supply chain problem, right? How can we make this more fluid? What are the ways that you can help us legislate that we can get more supply in here? And there's several ways. They can look at changing the capital gains tax for investors. They can look at um, opening up the capital gains exclusion that was never indexed for inflation back in the day. Because one thing that would be valid for our listeners, and Jeff and I teach this in legislation affecting home ownership, is that as a seller of a home, if you have lived in the home two of the last five years, you have an exclusion on your profit or capital gains on that house, single 250000 married 500000 Why is that important? Well, right now, inflation has really taken a toll, and that is a nationwide number. So it doesn't matter what part of the country you live in. That's the number. And that was never indexed for inflation. And that's going to be coming up um, with the redo of the taxes in 2025, approximately. So that's important because those people aren't moving if they're going to have to pay additional taxes on the house. And that affects those first-time homebuyers because those people aren't putting supply in the market. So that's why it would matter to our listeners that we're doing this advocacy work because we're looking out for everyone's best interest, how we can fix these problems, what the solutions are, and then we take those literally to the people that matter. And it's the people's house, right? Like, so I, I think people also don't understand, and you kind of alluded to this, Eric, you can walk in your elected official's office. You can call them. You can email them. They are accessible to you. You elected them. And people just don't understand that that's a reality, that they have that as an option. Yeah. Right. And that's a good point, Jen, because I think that $500,000 number for so much of for us in the Midwest, for a long time, that was just not an issue for us. I mean, we right. we're not we're not going to make five hundred thousand dollars on our house, that kind of thing. Well, that those those are those are numbers that are right in our face right now with the way the market has been. Sure, but I think it's important for your listeners to understand how how active realtors are in advocacy on their behalf. Is that every single member of Congress is assigned a realtor as to be a liaison to them to educate them on housing issues. Like uh, I used to be one uh, for uh, Congressman Yoder, Jen currently is. And so those relationships are really important. And I think the, I think sometimes listeners don't understand. I think they, they see realtors out there selling houses and we're driving around in our big cars and things like that. There's so much more that goes on behind the scenes and we're really very, very involved on a national basis, uh, state, I mean, literally local, state and national, but all the way up to that 
to that national level that we have realtors going to going to D.C. on a regular basis to meet with members of Congress about what's going on in their districts back home and then having those meetings here back in the districts as well to keep them educated. So I think it's really important for the listeners to understand how really involved we are locally with city councils and and the mayors and county commissions, the state level with your state representatives and, and senators, uh, the governor's office, so on and so forth, all the way up to the White House. You know, it's it's amazing because I, I, of course, I know most of this. I've spent time with you. I participate in advocacy at a certain level. It's Jen's you know, major passion is, is, as we all know in the room. Um, but I was thinking about the, the, as you were saying that this sort of like, um, how do, how do we take abstract concepts that, or, or maybe they're not even abstract, but they're just so big that it's hard for the individual to understand how it impacts their house. And I was thinking, you know, we had Mayor Bowley from Smithville on the podcast a while back. And by the way, we've got uh, Mayor Rose from Riverside scheduled, um, and uh, one of the things that Mayor Bowley was talking about was um, some of the rules and regulations that are put into place uh, uh, at, a, at a very, uh, you know, in, in Smithville, so a very local um, um, scenario where, you know, uh, minimum frontage requirements and all that kind of stuff to sort of try to beautify our city to make it more attractive. And the impacts those things have, something as simple as, hey, you have to have X number of frontage to the street on any lot you build a house on. Well, then we tie that in with, oh, and by the way, there's a minimum square footage and there's on all of a sudden we've created these scenarios where we can't put in certain kinds of housing that people really need. Um, and so this is, this is incredibly impactful. Um, I, 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 I want to jump to something that because I, I feel like maybe we're talking about all the things that can go wrong and all the things we fight for. And so it seems we we as as advocates, uh, we do some very positive things or we get to participate in some very positive projects in terms of uh, recommendations and uh, advocating for them because they're great not just for housing, although that's our perspective, they're great for the community. And I'm thinking about some of the economic development projects, um, you know, that, that I'm sure uh, although I haven't necessarily been involved, the three of you in the room will have been, but you know, the airport, the uh, the 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 battery plant in DeSoto, mm -hmm. um, you know, some of those kinds of things are also things that we participate, we educate, um, we invest. Uh, the the airport campaign is one that I think we need a slide in our uh, deal, Jeff and Derek. Mm -hmm. uh, we need a slide of the new airport because we have in there a new KCI, and the realtors actually partnered on that project, and I believe our investment was $25,000 in that campaign. Correct. So down to, you know, we take it to the board of directors, we ask for the support, and then we literally invest in that financially to support an initiative or an issues through our issues mobilization, which even a lot of realtors don't know that exists. Um, but there is a, a method for that. And because of our influence and partnering as realtors as one of the largest lobbying bodies, right? We got that over the finish line. And that doesn't always happen, but you know, we've been pretty successful in our endeavors that we choose to support in making sure um, that they get across the finish line. Well, economic development projects are, are, are really big. And you, you mentioned the battery plant uh, that's going to be built, the Panasonic battery plant in DeSoto. That's going to be huge. I mean, it's going to have a huge economic impact. Let me. I'm going to let you finish, but let me, just because listeners, DeSoto, everyone, uh, is in Johnson County. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, if you're familiar with the 435 I-35 exchange, which is right there on the border of uh, the north part of Olathe, 
It is 12 minutes west of there, about maybe a little bit less than halfway to Lawrence, but it's definitely mm-hmm. Johnson County. Yeah. And Panasonic is building batteries primarily for Teslas. So maybe that might perk up some ears, but go ahead. I just I knew I needed to frame that. Well, they're looking at over four thousand jobs. I mean, it, this is a billion dollar project, uh, and it's going to have it's going to have far reaching consequences. They're already talking about widening K ten highway because of the amount of traffic that's going to be generated from not only the workers that are going to be involved in building the facility, but then the workers are going to to actually work there on a daily basis. They're going to have to be those workers are going to have to be housed. These people are going to be coming from different parts of the country. This is this projects has really far reaching um uh, it's going to touch a lot of folks and, so and whenever we have big projects like this we realtors frequently will get involved to start in educating right our our uh, our politicians about the true economic impact beyond the battery plant and even jobs because when you have jobs and you increase jobs then you increase housing when you increase housing you increase retail activity and sales tax sales tax and schools and it's there's just it's incredible you're spreading the burden out yeah. over more people and you hit the nail on the head it's education right that's that's where we lie that's really what we're trying to do here is is educate on all of the different facets why those are important and and then just bringing that back to our listeners and our clients and why we choose to participate in this and and make sure that housing rights are protected. All right. Well, I promised when you brought it up that we'd come back to it. I want to come back to just to give people kind of a framework for what's going on with the building codes. So um, building codes, uh, there's building codes, there's fire codes, there's a couple of others, but those are the two big ones. Couple, shoot. Yeah. um, That uh, new builders are required to follow and different um, uh, municipalities and counties have uh, adhere to different versions of the building code. So the International Building Code that you mentioned gets updated every, I don't know, is it three years or five years? It's on a three-year cycle, although you usually adopt it every other. So you'll update the codes about every six years. Right. So exactly, right? They don't necessarily adopt them the minute they come out because that's a pretty significant change. Um, And in the, the newest one that they're looking at adopting uh, this ha- is just in Kansas City, too, by right. the way. Right, and this is yeah, just Kansas City, um, the city itself. Right. For uh, now. For now, yeah. Right. I mean, I think everybody will eventually get there, but it has... Hey. I, 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 some people are obviously going to take advantage of this because it will cause builders and developers to choose different locations. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 one of the challenges when different municipalities enact different things. And this particular one has a handful of requirements in it that are targeted towards efficiency, but their cost, right? And whenever we do that, anything you look at when you talk, like, and this is energy efficiency, you go, okay, great. A high efficiency furnace in my home might reduce my uh, natural gas bill, but I have to pay, you know, X dollars to put it in the house. And how long is it going to take me to recoup that? So it becomes a financial decision for all of us well, when we start Well, when they talking can't afford things. it at all? Right. When, when we can't house people because the cost becomes so unattainable, we've got a major problem on our hands. And when the elected officials don't hear that, which in this case they did not, um, you know, we're going to be more challenged in housing attainability. So that that's the issue here, right? Which is if they do these things, it's going to add a significant cost. It's been estimated at thirty thousand. Um, it's actually like thirty-two home. and change, but thirty yeah. is a nice round and, number to and, use. Yeah. Well, and and how it actually plays out. It's going to be some variation of that, probably home to home. But of course, these pa- these costs are going to be passed on to the homeowners. The builder's not going to absorb that out nope. of their profit scenarios. 
So uh, this when, is this but, is our concern here. But when you look at that, you, thirty thousand dollars, and and some people will say that's a big number. Some people will say that's not a big number. But when you factor it into a mortgage situation, you're looking at one hundred and fifty to one hundred eighty dollars a month. And if the if the monthly savings from all those energy efficiency things that they made you put in equals out to be ninety dollars a month, or you're going to save a hundred dollars a month on it, sounds really good to say you're going to save a hundred dollars a month on your on your energy needs. However, if it costs you one hundred eighty dollars a month to have them, that's the problem. They don't look further out, and that's th- those are the things that we try to bring to the table. That yes, it sounds good. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy that I'm going to save a hundred dollars a month, but it costs me one hundred eighty dollars a month to save a hundred dollars a month. And because of the increased price, it's created a barrier to entry where people more people can can't afford it. Suddenly, yes, there's a huge population that's unable to afford right. that house now as a result of that. So, so these are the and being of- being written into the building codes, it's no longer optional. Right. You you have to have these things in in your home. Um, and I think it's important to to point out Missouri and Kansas are two of just a handful of states that do not regulate building codes at the state level. So when we talk about increased costs, um, you know, if you if you have a crew, you have a number of crews. You're a, you're a developer. You're a builder. Uh, you send your crews out to build in Smithville. You send them out to build in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. You send them out to build in Olathe. That's three different sets of building codes. Three different, uh, you know, types of, of uh, uh, connections you got to do. Your 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 um, your wiring is is different. That all those inspections are different based on what city you're you're building in. And so there is an extreme increase in costs just by that, just because every city that we deal with has a, a different set of codes. You've got to train your, your folks to know, you know what, what kind of nail you, you use in Kansas City versus what kind of nail you use in Overland Park. And so there's, there's that built-in cost that, that I don't and, think and people really understand. That's not a joke, by the way. That's oh, a real thing, right? It, that, it like the is. type of nails that are used in various things are, are regulated, so and they're, um, without a doubt. And it's so funny because I, I just kind of grew up with that because I grew up here. And, you know, have done some construction, have done some flips and whatnot. And I just, you know, that was the thing. What city are we in? Let's go figure out what the codes are. And then to hear that, like, we're one of the few areas in the country that have to deal with that. I'm like, well, golly, I didn't know how bad I had it. Yeah, well, it, and ultimately, we want people to be able to have a choice. We understand that energy efficiency may be very important to some folks and that they may want to spend that $180 a month average. But then we also need to have the perspective of the buyer that can't afford that. And we want to be able to house them. Right. And we feel like they should have a choice whether they have to do that or not so that they can still have attainable housing. When the elected officials mandate it to us and that takes housing out of someone's hands that's where we really don't want that to be a problem and we try and get in front of that but again we've had a little challenge with that falling on deaf ears so you know we're going to continue to obviously work on that but ultimately we want our listeners clients consumers we want them to be able to make the choice and we want them to be able to have the decision Absolutely. All right. We are coming near the end. And so, uh, Jeff, let's start with you and then I'll ask Derek. But we ask some version of this question for everybody uh, at the end of our podcast, which is uh, give us an example of, you know, the, the generic question. Would be, what's the craziest thing you've seen in real estate? But I think for you guys, it will be what's like the maybe the craziest proposal that didn't happen or the weirdest situation you've been in in, in terms of the advocacy that you do? Well, there's lots of crazy ones that go on. I, I think one of the ones that we 
really it was more of a retaliatory issue. We had a, a, a situation in Kansas where uh, we had a state senator who proposed eliminating referral fees uh, among our our. Uh, uh, brothers and sisters in the marketplace. And uh, so we refer people to uh, other realtors other, in other marketplaces. We want everybody to stay in their lane and be able to know where they're at. So, you know, if I was going to have somebody that wanted to go to Smithville, okay, I'm not familiar with the area well enough, but you know what, Jen's a superstar in that area. So, you know, I would refer that client to work with Jennifer, and then she in turn would pay me a referral fee. Well, suddenly there, we were posed with the prospect of not being allowed to do that, and we couldn't figure out how does that affect consumers why is that an issue? And what we found out at doing some digging into it was that the state senator was basically punishing the realtors because we didn't support the governor at the time with a tax plan that they uh, that they had put out that we thought was bad for real estate, which we were actually found to be right because uh, as they started to do it, they ran out of money and we started to have all kinds of budget issues in Kansas. So we were right uh, in the issue, but this was considered punishment for bad behavior of the realtors at the state capitol. So, you know, it's you know, you talk about politics and it being kind of a dirty business sometimes, and it really can be. But this was one that really struck home with us is that it was going to eliminate a, a, a an income source just because we did not support uh, the governor on a very bad tax plan. So you, that you, is crazy. Uh, yeah. So is that is that senator still in Kansas? No, actually, we supported their we supported his uh, uh, challenger in the next election cycle, and uh, well, the there, challenger won. There's so. a shock, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, you know that I, unfortunately, even on a national level, we're seeing a lot of retaliatory politics. Which, you know, when we when we elect our officials, we want them to act with integrity, and they don't they don't always. What's amazing to that is 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 that that not only hurts an income stream, but if you are going to be moving to a different area, have a friend in a different area, and then your realtor is somebody like Jen, or you know, I'll throw myself in there, or you, Jeff. Um, the the we meet people across the state, uh, across both states, and then nationally that we know after you know, spending time with them at conferences and everything, if we're very active, that we know they're great realtors. And, it, you know, so that referral network can be incredibly important, not just an income source amongst us. And by the way, it doesn't cost the uh, buyer or seller anything extra. They're just dividing up what they were going to be doing anyway. So there's no economic impact to, as you mentioned, right. we're just to about the consumer. getting them good service. And yeah. I know that Jen's going to take really good care of my customer who's moving to Smithville. And that's what I want for them. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's just, that's terrible. The bonus is that referral fee on the, on sure. the other side. Yeah. But the, the real, the big picture is they get taken care of and Jen's going to do a super job for them. And you know what? That's going to make them happy with me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and refer you again exactly. to their friends. Absolutely. All right, Derek, you're up. So I think I think the challenge in working with elected officials is that they believe that they've been elected. They, they're they're in their office to to make the world better, to, to change things. And and I will tell you, in in our experience, we end up fighting a whole lot more bad ideas than we end up supporting good ones. And so, you know, when an elected official at any level gets a phone call and, and there's a constituent on the other end who's upset with something, they say, well, there ought to be a law. And, and the elected official looks at themselves in the mirror and says, well, wait, I'm, I'm a lawmaker. That, that's my job to make laws. It's not always your job to make a new law. Um, we had a, a situation in, in Jeff City uh, where a state rep uh, was contacted by a constituent <clears throat> who was upset that um, a, a sexual predator 
was was uh, purchasing uh, a home somewhere within their neighborhood, and there ought to there ought to be laws against that. And so, um, <laughs> so they uh, the proposal was to require all real estate or any real estate agent who was working with 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 someone on the the the, the registry. Uh, to send a, a certified letter to every homeowner within one square mile, letting them know <laughs> that they had sold a home to someone on the sexual predator list. And uh, for, for you realtors listening out there, I don't know how you do your marketing, <laughs> but I would say that is not a selling point to have, have represented that person. And fortunately, uh, cooler heads prevailed. We were able to explain the, the, the problems with, with that, that bill, uh, and it never went anywhere. But that's you know these 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 crazy ideas can just pop up overnight, and and you've got to be mobile enough to uh, uh, to be able to oppose them. And 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 like I said, we we oppose so many more things than we support. We would love to support good legislation if we could find it. And many seem like it's very well meaning on the surface until you start thinking about. Oh them. yeah, well, and maybe we should break that one down for our listeners because they're like, yeah, I want to know if a sex offender is in my neighborhood. Well, first of all, you can go look it up. It's public record. And second of all, if you have sometime in your past have been a sex offender, you still should be able to live somewhere, right? That's pretty important that you get to live somewhere. And uh, yeah, uh, just all the negative connotations that go around that and then having a realtor and in a mile radius in a, in a densely populated area, do you know how many certified... I, I mean, yeah, the cost is going to be exorbitant yeah. because mail is one of the most expensive ways to market. But to Derek's point, that goes back to those relationships. Like, yeah, we need to be able to jump up, but we had to already have the relationship to have a meaningful conversation for them to know that realtors are credible, realtors are putting in the work, and and that we actually have you know the thought and the process and all of the things to go behind it to be the trusted voice of real estate. Well, and you know, you think about the, your your sit down conversation with your buyers. I mean, so you, it, it all sounds great, but don't be offended when I ask you and your wife if either one of you have ever been convicted of a sex crime, because I have to ask you now because I'm going to. I have to be responsible so, for mailing that. So, yeah. and by the way, just so you know, we are already responsible for informing buyers that if they are sex offenders, sex offenders, they must register their new address. That's in the contract that they sign. But yeah, we don't necessarily. So that's a great contract review, right? Which oh, is, yeah. but I don't have to flat out ask. Yeah. Or do you need to go on the registry? So that would be a horrible. By the way, I gotta mail it. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna have to mail all your neighbors and let them. So you're gonna not only make them, you're gonna make everybody mad. That's how that works. It's just kind of a little thing for me, and and Jen and Eric, I don't know about you and your marketing, but I just kind of, I, I really don't like to have my name and the word sex offender on the same page. <laughs> it's just a personal uh, marketing policy of mine. It's not, not <laughs> high on my list either. So. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Oh. Hey, hey, uh, Jeff, Derek, thank you guys so much for coming out and spending some time with us, uh, helping consumers understand what we do at an advocacy level. Um, and, and how important it is, and also how it truly can impact them, even on individual deals. So I really appreciate you guys coming, and uh, and uh, maybe we'll have you back at some point. Thanks for That's having us. Yeah, we'll do an update. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Absolutely. All right, everybody, another great episode of Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com, where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.